Welcome to episode 40 of the AMT podcast. I hope you're all crushing it as always. It's been a good week and I've just finished wrapping things up with my first one-to-one student and I'm rather satisfied with the progress that we've made. From knowing nothing about two sports, uh, he's now comfortably moved into consistently making profit on horse racing and cricket. So now it's just a question of keeping an eye on him um, and just making sure he's scaling up and staying consistent. Now I started February with my next student and we're only one day in and he's already had his first profitable session. It's still early days and there's still a long way to go and a lot to learn. But again, I'm looking forward to sharing his journey with you guys also. And whilst it's been great to turn my first student into a profitable trader, it's still only one student. It's been a great start, but was it luck? Was he just that good or am I just a good teacher? Only time will tell. Now, the second student who I have now has been trying to make a go of race trading for a while and he already has knowledge on racing. Uh, so this is going to present a fresh challenge. Can I get him to unlearn his bad habits and can I build him into a profitable trader? We'll see how it goes and I look forward to sharing his results too. If you're interested in me teaching you one-to-one how to become profitable where i show you my methods you watch me trade i watch you trade and i break down all the variables that influence price and i help you to scale up then head to anymantrading.com slash products book a one-to-one call with me and let's just have a casual chat and see if i'm a fit for you i'll post the link in the description below but without further delay today i want to talk about success and how it can be explained using the bell curve distribution i don't want to delve too deep into the math because i don't want to lose people so we'll paint in broad strokes so to speak, um, as I explain what it means and how it relates. So the normal distribution curve is essentially a probability distribution, and it's symmetric around the mean. The mean is just the average of the most common values. So statistically, it's a measure of central tendency. It's a measure of where the expected result is most likely to lie. Now, visually, this is represented as a bell, where the probability of the expected outcome Uh, is most concentrated or most likely. And as we look to either side of the bell, the line flattens and tapers off. The far ends are called the tail ends of the distribution where outcomes are least likely. They are improbable, but they certainly happen. And they happen often. And these are the events that I want to talk about today because these events have a tremendous impact, especially in finance. So much so that they're often responsible for a large chunk of success when it comes to business, companies, and individual uh, experiences like uh, like for trading. So the best way to illustrate this is by looking at some examples. So we'll start with the most relatable thing, first of all, which is investing. Warren Buffett is one of the most successful stock market investors of all time. If you search for which stocks were his biggest wins and generated his biggest returns, they're easy to find. However, what nobody talks about is his bad picks, the failed businesses, the fads or the poor acquisitions. But those in fact make up a large portion of his picks. At an annual shareholder meeting in 2013, uh, Warren actually confessed to having owned in his lifetime around 400 to 500 stocks, but made the bulk of his money on around 10 of them. Charlie Munger followed up by saying that if you remove just a few of Berkshire's top investments, um, its long-term track record is pretty average. In financial circles, Warren is heralded as a legend, as the Oracle of Omaha. And he's rightfully considered a titan in the investment field. But when we stare in awe at someone's success, it's easy to glaze over the fact that the majority of his success came from only 
a handful, only a small percentage of his actions, the tail-driven events, the lowest probability, most infrequent trades. Let's look to the stock market as another example. The distribution of success amongst publicly traded stock companies. Most of them fail, but a handful of them grow so big that they account for the majority of the stock market's returns. The S&P 500, which measures uh, America's biggest 500 companies, recorded an 8.9% gain across 2023, or 9.7% if you include dividends. But the lion's share of that success was caused by Apple, which was up 36%, Microsoft 37%, Alphabet 39%, and Amazon 44%, and a newcomer in NVIDIA, which surged 159% on the back of last year's AI excitement. If you remove those five companies, the S&P's return would only be sitting at 1.5%. And if you remove other large tech companies like Meta, which is up 120%, and Tesla, which is up 66%, the S&P would probably be level or even under. But this has always been the case in the stock market. The biggest companies drive the overall market gains and it masks the fact that actually most companies fail. The funny thing about that is that most companies that go public are actually, you have to be extremely successful, yet most of them do not last. More than half of all tech companies lose most of their value. Even public utility companies have about a 10% fail rate. And you don't hear a lot about these failures because they're just so common. The Russell 3000 index, which is a broad index of public companies, has increased 73-fold in the last 40 years, despite that nearly 50% of those companies listed were failures. For reasons already mentioned, it's the giants that dominate the market gains. In the 90s, they were referred to as the four horsemen. Microsoft, Cisco, Intel, and Oracle led the charge. Last decade, they were known as FANG stocks. Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, who were the engines of the markets. Not only do a few companies account for most of the market's return, but within those companies are even more tail-driven, low-probability, unlikely events. Amazon, for example, have experimented with many products that failed. Things like the Fire Phone, supermarkets, travel agencies. And out of all those failed business decisions that they acted on, it was their web service and Prime that generated billions upon billions of dollars in profit. Tail events don't just account for stock market and company success, but they also account for trading success too. And when I realized this, it changed my entire perspective on trying to earn an average wage. The reason why thinking of trading as earning a steady income on a weekly or monthly basis is so disastrous for your results because it distorts the fact that most weeks are in fact below average. The mean distribution of my trades sit within the five to 50 pound profit range. I make thousands of those small seemingly insignificant trades every single year. But out of those thousands, there are around a dozen or so trades where I'll make multiple four-figure amounts. After breaking down my results, almost a third of my profits came from test cricket, where I only traded 30 games. And within that, there were only seven markets where I hit multiple four figures, accounting for half my test match profits. I also had around up to 10 bets with the bookies, which netted me around 10k also. I made nearly 60k from sports alone last year and around a third of that came from those tail end low probability infrequent trades that I spotted and was able to take advantage of. That's only around a dozen or so markets out of around 2,000 traded markets last year. That's a significant chunk of my profits for only a little bit of work and life as a whole works in a very similar way. Day in, day out, you spend doing the seemingly boring stuff. And whilst neither individual day is defining in and of itself, if you 
keep showing up and you have the presence of mind to spot opportunities and you have the balls to take advantage of them, then you are going to experience success. An investor only has to be right a handful of times just to land those big payoffs. Publicly traded companies like Amazon, who fail over and over again with different products, just need to land on one to pay off everything. Movie studios who produce flop after flop just need to make one hit movie that becomes a box office success. Or art investors who inevitably mostly collect duds just need to hit that one masterpiece. The common denominator well, with regards to success in business, in, in finance, in trading, is that your success often comes down to a few narrow windows of opportunity. And for me, from a trading perspective, it's worked in a similar way. I work hard daily and nothing special really happens. For the most part, I'm just trying to avoid any disaster. I'm trying to keep things ticking over steadily, I'm trying to stay as patient as possible, accumulate as much capital, and just be ready to deploy it on those handful of opportunities when they arise. Similar to what Warren Buffett does, but of course, on a fraction of the scale. It's boring and it's tedious for most people. And people who tune into my live streams are often surprised by the fact that I'm not staking big amounts. I'm not doing anything any, anything special for the most part. People are surprised that, you know, I'm rather happy with just a one or 2% return on most days. But those who've been in my telegram long enough will realize that what I'm actually doing is keeping it ticking over, just wetting my beak, so to speak. What I'm really waiting for are those golden eggs to hatch. Personally, for me, it takes a few things to fall in place. The trading volume must be high. It must be outstanding value. And I must have information at my disposal that the majority aren't privy to. They're rare, but like I've said now, they do happen around a dozen or so times a year. To get to this level, I had to try so many different markets, so many different strategies, just loads of experiments and just failing over and over again before I found a strong edge. After years, I've now learned that sitting on your hands and being defensive 99% of the time, keeping and protecting your bankroll from fluctuating grants you the highest leverage uh, to deploy when those golden opportunities come. If you're trading irresponsibly with stakes that are too large or you're over trading, you're just going to give back your hard-earned profits and you'll be too fatigued to even spot the chances. And when you do spot them, your bankroll will be too light to fully exploit them. Marco Pierre White, the celebrity chef who trained Gordon Ramsay, he gave a speech at Oxford Union detailing his life story. It's a great interview. I, I encourage everyone to uh, watch it. I'm pretty sure it's still on YouTube. But he really drove the point home when it comes to luck and opportunity. Not just by the way he narrated the story, but by how he actually lived. Knocking from door to door, working 18 hours a day just to perfect his craft, finding an apprenticeship and eventually landing a role under the tutelage of a known Michelin star chef on the back of another apprentice who resigned on that same day. And then securing a multi five-figure loan to bankroll his business which eventually saw him become one of the most iconic chefs of this era. He said, success is about luck, finding the Egan Ronnie guide, getting lost, knocking on doors. Success is born out of luck. It's awareness of mind that takes advantage of that opportunity. You will all be confronted with opportunity. You must take advantage of it. Because if you don't take advantage of opportunity, you'll never realize your dreams. Whether you want it or not is irrelevant. You don't know that until you're there. In life, unless you live in a box, you will be confronted with several opportunities. And more so for those people who position themselves correctly by associating or networking with the right people or, or operating inside the correct niche. But most people are too scared to get out of their comfort zone. They're scared that an opportunity will force them to leave their old world behind. They end up talking themselves out of it, settling for average and just making excuses. But as Marco Pierre White rightfully said, whether you want it or not is irrelevant. 
get there first. Just take it. And he did just that. At 33, he became the youngest ever chef to be awarded three Michelin stars and five red knives and forks. It wasn't until he achieved his dreams that he was in a position to give back the stars because he didn't want his food being judged by strangers. But 99% of people don't even realize their dreams before giving up. They give up, they let life go by them, they squander opportunity and make excuses and settle for average because they're scared. And the great irony is that most of them accuse successful people of being lucky. <laughs> You'll be confronted with opportunity several times, whether it's a job offer or to relocate or a chance to land that big trade or to ask out a woman. Success is driven by tail events. You have to keep trying different things. Be bold enough to experiment and fail. Failure just means you found something that doesn't work. You will fail more often than you win. But if you keep trying and keep failing, you're just getting closer to eventually being confronted with opportunity. And as I've explained several times now using many examples, one good decision is often all it takes to change your fortunes. Don't forget to like, share where possible, subscribe, and comment. I read and reply to everyone and I'll see you guys soon.